really read the Word of God tonight? How many of you are really going to concentrate on what you're reading? Let's begin verse number 12 again. He said, therefore, a certain noble man went into a far country to receive for himself a kingdom and to return. And he called his ten servants and delivered them ten pounds and said unto them, Oh, I like this. He delivered unto them ten pounds and said unto them, Occupy till I come. Now, I want us to look at how they occupied. Because all of them occupied in different manner. Some people think that this statement, Occupy till I come, just means I'm hanging on till Jesus comes. Hold the fort for I am coming. I'm not holding the fort. I'm charging. I'm going after it. Some people think that that scripture in the Bible that says the gates of hell shall not prevail against the church, that means that the church is leaning up against its gate and every devil in hell is assailing uh, that, that gate and you're just saying, oh God, if I can just hold this gate shut till Jesus comes. That's not what that scripture means. What that scripture means is that the devil has got every devil in hell up against the gates of hell and they're saying, boy, if I can just hang on to this, those saints are about to bust this door down. There's fixing to be a revival in this city. We got to keep this door closed, folks. Hallelujah. And he's saying that about your family. Dear God, there's fixing to be a revival in this family. I got to keep this man discouraged. I got to keep him busy. I got to keep him carnal. Because if he ever starts praying, dear Lord, he's going to turn this neighborhood upside down. Come on, devils. Come on. You got to help me. They're fixing to bust this door down. <laughs> Occupy. Till I come. Now I'm not going to get on this either. But that word occupy. If you look at it in the Greek. It is a military term. Which means that you have seized. A plot of property from the enemy. And it's up to you to hold that. Which you have seized from the enemy. Now how, do you think that the enemy. Is going to sit there without a counterattack? No way. Some of you already know that when you seize that property from the enemy that he's going to counterattack. But God is telling you to hold that territory that God has given you. I'm not going to turn there, but in Matthew chapter 11, Jesus himself said, The kingdom of heaven suffereth violence, and the violent take it by force. Now that doesn't mean be violent towards people, but that means look the devil eyeball to eyeball and said, This is my territory, Bubba, and I'm not backing up from you, and I'm not walking away from this. I will pray and I will fast until I know that God has secured this territory for my life. Oh, God, I feel the Holy Ghost here tonight. Praise God. Occupy till I come. Verse number 14. But his citizens hated him and sent a message after him saying, We will not have this man to reign over us. And it came to pass that when he was returned, having received the kingdom, he commanded these servants to be called unto him. Which servants? The servants that received the ten talents. Now there were ten servants and there were ten talents. So how many talents was given to each servant? One. They all received the same proportion. Every one of them got the same proportion. Hallelujah. 
And he called unto him to whom he had given the money that he might know. Oh man, I want you to understand. That he might know how much every man had what? Had what? Had what? Gained by trading. I wish I could just preach on trading tonight. Somebody says, when I come to the Lord, I had to give up this. And I had to give up that. And I had, no, I traded it, Bubba. I didn't get, I, I didn't give up anything. I got delivered of a whole lot of stuff. And the Lord replaced it with something that's ten times as great. Hallelujah. Verse number 16, then came the first, saying, Lord, thy pound hath gained ten pounds. <laughs> that's a, what is that, a thousandfold? That's a pretty good percentage. Hallelujah. Is that right? Is it a hundredfold? Hundredfold? Well, that's still good. Praise God. A hundred percent. Praise God. I want to live for God a hundred percent. Praise God. And verse number 17, listen to what the master did to him. And he said unto him, Well, thou good servant, because thou hast been faithful in, every, in a very little have thou authority over ten cities. Everybody wants to rule. Brother Westberg just preached for us recently and he said, I know the best way in the world to get people to come out to peanut brittle. Just make peanut brittle on the platform and you'll have everybody in the church. They'll wanna, they, everybody wants to be on the platform. So if you make peanut brittle on the platform, you'll get everybody in the church out to make peanut brittle. You know, we like the limelight, but I want to tell you, you can't rule unless you're faithful. Verse number 18, and the second came, saying, Lord, thy pound hath gained five pounds. That's pretty good. That's 50% increase. And he said likewise to him, Be thou also over five cities. And another came to him, saying, Listen to this. You can hear his attitude. Lord, behold here is thy pound. Which I have kept laid up in a napkin. <laughs> For I fear thee. Because thou art an austere man. And thou takest up that that thou layest not down. And reapest thou that it is not so. Listen to what the master says unto him. And he saith unto him. I want you to know this is a powerful statement that Jesus said. Out of thine own mouth will I judge thee. Get your mouth talking straight. Did you know that God has made this city, the, the, this church, the light of this city? We can shape this city if we'll talk the will of God. Out of thine own mouth will I judge thee. Thou wicked servant, thou knewest that I was an austere man. Taking up that I laid not down, and reaping that I did not sow. Wherefore then gavest thou not my money into the bank, that at my coming I might have required mine own with usury? What he was saying is, if you couldn't do it, why didn't you put it in somebody's hands that could? And that's exactly what he does with it. Read on. And he said unto them that stood by, Take from him the pound, and give it to him that hath ten pounds. Wow, that is radical doctrine, but that is the words of Jesus Christ. That don't fit in our social gospel of today, does it? 
That don't fit in our welfare society, society today, does it? You know, everybody talks about Jesus being a welfare pusher, a person. Hogwash! He is a wise steward with that that He has given His church. You better get your nose back in the Bible and see what Jesus teaches. Hallelujah. And I'm not opposed to all of these social programs. I'm not preaching the social gospel tonight. I'm just relating that because you can relate because you live in a world of, of, of socialism. Praise God. And he, and he said unto them that stood by, Take from him the pound and give it to him that hath ten pounds. And they said unto him, Lord, he hath ten pounds. And he said, For I say unto you that unto every one which hath shall be given. And from him that hath not, even that he hath, shall be taken away from him. Hallelujah. But those mine enemies which would not that I should reign over them, bring hither and slay them before me. Lord, I thank you for your work tonight. I pray, O oh God, that you would anoint us in these next few minutes to reach and to touch the hearts of these people through the anointed word of God. Everybody said in Jesus' name. You may be seated. I want to preach to us for a little while tonight on this subject the talent. The talent. Um, have you, you know, I, I am forever amazed to watch people come into God's kingdom. And, um, and, and watch the level that they either sink to or that they either rise to. You've heard the statement, it is a, it is a, known statement that water seeks its own level and and you can always tell what kind of a person the spirit has by watching who they associate with in the church when they get saved hallelujah you can find out how much holy ghost they really got by just watching who they become buddy buddy with when they get saved hallelujah and if they haven't got all of that descent and all of that contrary attitude out of them they'll find people that can always pick and find fault with everything in the church and on the other hand if they've really got prayed through and God has really delivered them in a great manner they'll be right up here on the front row boy and I mean they'll just be a singing and a shouting and a talking in tongues and a loving God and 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 and, and it is just amazing to watch what this gospel does to people but even Something that is more amazing to me is to watch what people do with this gospel. I want you to know this gospel that we have is precious. Now I could yell and scream and spit and do 95 mile an hour tonight and you could walk out of here and not know one thing that I said. Or I can slow this down and I can preach what God has laid on my heart and maybe some of you will understand what God has given you when He has filled you with this gospel. The book of Revelations calls this the everlasting gospel. There's not going to be another gospel after this gospel. You better take advantage of this gospel while it's around here for you to take advantage of it. Hallelujah. The word gospel means the good news. What is the good news? That God sent His Son into this world 
For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son that whosoever should believe in him should not perish but should have everlasting life. I preached on everlasting life and everlasting destruction in my church the other day. And, and I want to tell you something. There are so many things about this temporal life that I enjoy. I cannot imagine how great everlasting life really is going to be. You know, some people live in misery while they're in this life. But I don't. I enjoy living. I love to live. Every day that I wake up, I say, God, I thank you for this beautiful day. I thank you for the breath that I breathe. I thank you for this home that you have given me. Can you imagine what everlasting life's going to be like if you really enjoy this? You ain't seen anything yet. Pardon the grammar. You haven't seen anything yet. Praise God. And so this gospel. Now what is this gospel? I'm not going to get into this tonight, but I want to tell you what this gospel is. The Bible teaches us that it is, Jesus said, if ye love me, keep my commandments. And another place he said, my sheep hear my voice. They know me. They follow me. Praise God. And in another place he said, the eyes of this world is blinded, but those who are my sheep, who are my disciples, they see. In another place, he said that he spake in parables so that it might be fulfilled. Having eyes, they see not. Having ears, they hear not. They cannot comprehend. Now, why did Jesus do that? Some people think that he did that because he didn't want people to be saved. That is not the truth. Why Jesus did that is really an act of mercy. Because you are judged by what revelation you have in your life. And if you don't have that revelation in your life, then your punishment in hell will not be as great as it will be if you have that revelation in life. Now some people, they don't believe that. But I want to tell you, Jesus said, He that knew it to do good and did it not shall be beaten with many stripes. But he that knew it not to do good and did it not shall, shall be beaten with few stripes. Does that mean that I can be a good person and be saved? Nuh-uh. When you're not saved, you go to hell and you'll be there forever. But I want to tell you something. If you don't know that if it, it, it was an act of mercy that Jesus spoke in that manner so that when they stood before Him at the white throne judgment, that he would not look at them and say you knew it and you didn't do it it was an act of mercy so the only thing that counted is that those that received this gospel that their eyes was opened up to it and those that seen it out after you have seen it then there comes a responsibility with it you cannot have freedom without responsibility you cannot have enlightenment you cannot have illumination. You cannot have revelation without responsibility. I, 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 now, the reason why I'm doing this, I'm in this so deep already, I don't know how to get out of it. Because this gospel is such a great thing, I can't explain it to you in 20 minutes. But I want you to understand what I mean when I say that revelation brings responsibility before we had a kidney dialysis machine when somebody's kidneys failed what happened they died but now we have the understanding in the revelation that those people can live without a kidney all they have to do is go in two or three times a week and get hooked up to the kidney dialysis machine now I want to tell you it is expensive to hook somebody up on a kidney dialysis machine it is terribly expensive 
But I want to tell you, since I know that I can save my mother with a kidney dialysis machine, and God forbid that this would ever happen, but I mean this with all of my heart, if her kidneys failed, do you think I'm going to stand by and watch her die when I have the understanding and the revelation that if I take her down to the hospital, if I have to be a pauper the rest of my life, if I have to work two or three jobs to do it, that I'm going to let her die? No way, my friend. I want to tell you, that's the greatness of the responsibility of this gospel. And some of us are lazy with that. There's our own family that's not saved. Our own children are not saved. Our parents aren't saved. And we have the key. Our city is not saved. And we have the key. And I'm going to tell you something. When we stand before God, we will be judged for that. I don't know about you, but I want you to understand that when I stand before God, I don't want people that are on their way to hell to look at me and say, I met you in the store and you never told me one time about this Holy Ghost. I don't want a man looking at me with tears in his eyes and saying, my wife and I were still together, but we were going to get a divorce. And you stood right by me. And I heard you talking and I knew you was a Christian. And I heard you say something about you and your wife were fixing to get a divorce. And you come into the church and God saved you. And you never told that to me. You never said, I want to tell you, the responsibility of this gospel is great upon us when you come into the presence of the Holy Ghost it is the most precious thing that you can receive in your life which brings us to the next question why don't we tell people do I care if my kids go to hell would you sit there and watch them die of kidney poisoning? No, you wouldn't. Then how come you sit there and let them see that rot gut on a television? Of somebody else running around with somebody else's wife. L.A. Law. I don't have time to get into this tonight because this isn't my message. I'm going to preach on the gospel. But I, I just preached in California recently. I was preaching in a Royal Grande. And on the, I guess there is a soap opera that's called L.A. Law. A few weeks ago, there was the first public encounter of lesbianism that I know of on the soap opera L.A. Law. Two women standing there kissing and fondling each other. And you're sitting there. And you think that you can, you, you know something? I'm through with playing around about this gospel. Either you got enough guts to live for Jesus Christ and get that trash out of your house, or you don't. When a child, by the time the child is seven years old, he has, he has set in over 18,000 hours of blood and murder. He spends more time by the time that he reaches college. He has spent an average of 42 hours a week in front of a television. That's two more hours than he goes to school every week. I have the answer 
to the societal problems of America. But I don't believe there's a politician that's got enough guts to stand up and say it. If we kick that junk out of Hollywood, I know we can't siphon it. And I'm not against the freedom of the press. I appreciate America. But I want to tell you one thing. I don't have to bring that trash into my home. My house is a temple of the living God. I am the priest of my house. And I want to keep it pure and holy before God. If I kicked that television out of my house, I'd have a fit in my family. I want to tell you something. They may not even recognize it. You're trying to save their life. Jesus Christ is coming back. Now, I don't know why I'm saying that. But I'm saying that for the, to help some of you. This brings us to the question, why don't we tell people about this gospel? Why not, Sister Marty? Some of you young people going to college. How's come? High school. Why not? On the job. Why don't you? In the supermarket. Why not? At the mall. Why don't we? What is the problem? There can only be one problem. Shame. We do not really believe that this gospel will do what God's word said it'll do. What is the talent that Jesus Christ was talking about here? It was his grace. He gave to every man. Romans uh, chapter 10, I believe it is. He gave to every man the measure of faith. The Bible didn't say a measure of faith. He said the measure of faith. He, the, the same gospel that I have is the same gospel that he gave you. You ever sit around and wondered? Now how's come? How's come? Brother Nathan just gets all the breaks in the kingdom of God. I've been praying for six months that God give me a job and I ain't got a job yet. Do you pay your tithes like Brother Nathan does? Well, I sound like a pastor now, don't I? Do you pay your offering like Brother Nathan does? You know, you know, something. tithing is not really a matter of whether you have money or not. Tithing is a matter of whether you have faith in God or not. Tithe, when you have problems with tithing, you're having a faith problem. You're having a faith problem. You don't really believe that God will back his word up. I want to tell you, Malachi chapter 3, verse number 8 says, Will a man rob God? But ye say, wherein have we robbed thee? In tithes and offering. He said, therefore ye are cursed with a curse. You ain't never going to get anywhere. That's one of the first things that you've got to establish in your life, is that you've got to tithe. You say, well, tithing went out with the law. I beg your pardon. Tithing come in under the dispensation of faith. And we are still living in the dispensation of faith. We are the lineage of Abraham. And he's the one that started it when he paid tithes to a, to, 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 
to a theophany of Jesus Christ whose name was Melchizedek in Genesis chapter 14 and verse number or 22 and verse number 14 and he said and of all or that's Jacob in, in, in uh, Genesis chapter 22 and blessed be the most high God which hath delivered thine enemies into thy hand and he gave him tithes of all and it was given to Jacob his son in Genesis chapter 22 and verse number 28 where he said in this house and this stone which I have set for a pillar shall be God's house and of all that thou shalt give me I will surely give the tenth unto thee oh it's faith it's faith God you saved me God you picked me up God this is my this is this is this is my down payment that you're gonna come through on time this is my down payment that you're not gonna let me down this is my down payment this is the talent that I'm investing in your kingdom I believe that you'll take it and that you'll use it and that you'll multiply it Do you understand that every time something was given to Jesus, he multiplied it? Check it out in your Bible. Two fish and five loaves. He fed 5,000 people and their kids and their children. Two fish and seven loaves. He multiplied it. Oh, I want to tell you, this gospel that we have is a multiplying gospel. My God, I feel the Holy Ghost in this place tonight. Let me tell you something. In Acts chapter 2, verse number 1, and when the day of Pentecost, I'm quoting you the Bible, and when the day of Pentecost was fully come, they were all in one place, in one accord, and suddenly there came a sound from heaven as of a rushing mighty wind, and it filled all the house where they were sitting, and there appeared unto him, them, the first fruits, the day of Pentecost, the first day of the week, the first day of the harvest, the first day, the tithing of the church. He said, this is my down payment. And on the very first day, when the church paid their tithes, he multiplied the church by 3,000 people. I'm telling you, this gospel of work, I said, this gospel of work, I said, this gospel will work. It'll work. It'll work in your life. It'll work in your life. It'll work in your life. Some of you are saying, I've tried to quit the alcohol. I've fought against this depression. All you gotta do is bring your life to God and watch him multiply. Watch him. And unto him who is able to, to do exceedingly and abundantly above all that we can ask or think according according to the talent the power that worketh in you you may be seated I didn't forget Malachi you're cursed with a curse, even this whole nation. Bring ye all the tithes into the storehouse, that there may be meat in mine house. 
And this is what I like. The Lord said this. Read it. It's in your Bible. Malachi chapter 3, verse number 10. And prove me now herewith, saith the Lord. Put me to the test. Brother Joe, first time I ever saw you, you never wore a suit to church. I don't even know if you owned a suit. Probably when you got the Holy Ghost, you went down to Goodwill real quick and bought a suit. Preached about you in my church that night, Brother Joe. You're my buddy. You didn't have a wife. I remember you, Sister Darla. Praise the Lord. How you doing? I remember her at youth camp. How old are you? She's a year younger than I am. Of course I remember. We're just young folks, Sister Darla. Just young folks. We'll forgive all these elders around here. She didn't even know who Joe Rose was. Joe Rose come in here. He didn't have a dime in his name. I remember him bringing that little notebook over to my house. And I was taking a look at it and I thought, dear God, his, his finances are in a mess. And Brother Joe was so stressed out. But I looked at him. And I said, Brother Joe, if we'll pray over this, God will work things out for you. He'd been without a job. Still got a job today? He ain't going to lose it if he lost it. God would give him another one. Some of you say there ain't no jobs in the city. That's because you don't understand the talent that God has put in your life. And I can say this because I left now, but before I ever drove back into Hutchinson, we go back to Hutchinson, Kansas, there's only two jobs that I want in that city, either at the Postal Service or at United Parcel Service. You all know where I work. UPS. Drove that truck, 15 below zero, and they gave me the truck with no heater because I was the low man on the seniority pole. Dear God, I like to froze my tail off. But it was $11.05 an hour starting pay. I just seen where they renegotiated their contract and it's 17 bucks an hour. Why did you pray that? Because I felt like it was the will of God. Now, it may not be the will of God for you to work at UPS, but I want to tell you, you need to understand the grace of God. You need to understand that you're a child of God. You need to understand that God is your Father. Some of you are living beneath your privileges. I can't understand it. Brother Nathan's getting all the breaks. By the way, look at Brother Joe. He's in a good suit tonight. He's got his arm around a beautiful wife. Got an already made family. That's all right. That's how great Jesus Christ is. And that's not the only one. All of us have testimonies of how torn up and shattered our life was. Some of you don't understand this, but your life it was like the world was. In Genesis chapter 1, the Bible says in the beginning, 
God created the heavens and the earth. And the earth was dark. And, and the earth was without form. And darkness was on the face of the deep. That's exactly, Brother Carriker, how my life was before I saw the light of Jesus Christ in my heart. My, my life was dark. It was without discipline. It was without faith. It was without hope. It was full of despair. And all of a sudden, I heard a man of God preach, Let there be light. And there was a man sent from God whose name was John. He was not that light, but he preached about the light. I'm a John tonight. I'm telling you, this gospel is light. This gospel is light. This gospel will bring form and structure and blessing to your life. You may be seated. I got to hurry on. Preach two hours tonight. Don't want to do that. I want to see God move. Light. That's what the gospel is. Light. How does it happen? Don't ask me how it happens. I can't tell you. I can't tell you how a man spends a hundred bucks a day on cocaine, dresses in a tie, and good-looking britches. When Tracy first come to church, he come in his work clothes. Sister Shelley, I won't talk about you. She was a hairdresser. How much did you owe on your five, six thousand dollars? Are you still paying for it? Still paying for it, it's enough. She spent all that money to become a hairdresser. And she read in the Bible where the Bible says it's a shame for a woman to cut her hair. And she come to me one night downstairs in our new converts class. She was kind of crying. She said, I feel like the Lord has convicted me of being a hairdresser. She said, what shall I do, Brother Elder? <laughs> Man, when somebody owes $4,000 or whatever it was, you don't just pop off at the mouth. Say, well, I think you ought... It don't really matter what I think. What's important is that I lead that person into the realm of the glorious light of this gospel. As I recall, Sister Shelley, I told you, you need to do what the Lord has laid on your heart to do. I didn't tell her one way or another. She come back to me later and she said, my mom is hopping mad. She took that certificate out, worth $2,500, $3,000, and cut that thing to shreds. And as far as I know, the only barber she is today is on men's heads, and it's little babies and her husband. And that's the best haircut I've seen on you since you've been in church. So what are you laughing about?
Hallelujah. That's what the gospel does. I said that's what the gospel does. That's the glory of this gospel. Now I want to tell you something. The gospel will do exactly what you want it to do in your life. What grace is, is the Lord just gives it to you. And he says, all right, here it is. What are you going to do with it? What is grace? The very word grace just simply means the unmerited or the unearned love of God. I want to say this and then we're going to close here shortly. God is royalty. The Bible calls God holy. In the Hebrew, the word for holy really means transcendent. How many of you know what transcendent means? That means that he is beyond your ability to reach him. Is transcendent. That's God's holiness. Every one of us know that it is totally impossible for us to be holy without the help of God. That's why when somebody don't have the Holy Ghost, I don't try to make them do anything. Now the Holy Ghost may try to. Oh, we've got people in our church that are lining up and cleaning up. They don't have the Holy Ghost yet. But I want you to understand something. You don't get good to get God. You get God and then you get good. It don't matter how clean you live. It doesn't matter how pure your life is. It doesn't matter how holy you think your conversation is. Without the Holy Ghost, your holiness is as filthy rags. You say, preacher, I've never cussed in my life. That will not get you to heaven. Preacher, I've never smoked a cigarette. You'll still go to hell and be lost forever. Preacher, I've never said a bad word or never thought a bad thought in my life. We are not saved by works. The Apostle Paul said, not by works of righteousness, which we have done. But it's by the washing of regeneration and the renewing of the Holy Ghost. I'm telling you, it means something to me to speak in tongues. It means something to me to have the Holy Ghost. It means something to me to be baptized in the name of Jesus Christ. Grace. Undeserved. You stand up and say, well, I never cuss. Well, he didn't either. I'll buy this with my good work. No, you won't. You'll come by the blood of Jesus Christ just like everybody did. I, I've, never, I've never done anything wrong. Neither has he. The Bible says no guile was, guile was found in his mouth. He was a man without sin. How are you going to match the life of Jesus Christ? Don't tell me you never got mad and wanted to hit your wife. Boy, I didn't get any kind of expression on any of the men's faces. 
Brother, do you hit your wife? No, she'd probably clean my plow if I tried. More than that, I love her dearly. But I felt like it. I felt like hitting some of you sometimes. Sometimes I felt like God was with Moses where he said, step aside and let me get to these people instead of it being Moses. I felt like looking at God and saying, step aside, step aside God, I'll take care of them. Some of you haven't recognized that yet, but that's unholy. You say, I've never yelled at my wife. The Bible preaches that all liars shall have their part in the lake of fire. If you never yelled at your wife, it's because you're a wimp and you're afraid of her. And you're a bigger wimp if you've never told your wife you're sorry for losing your temper at her. That's why I'm with you women tonight. Now listen to me. What is grace? Let me, let me give you an earthy, earthly example of grace before I close. Grace. Sister Elder, come to the arm, please. Grace is like, oh, I, you know, somebody I miss tonight. I miss Nene. Dear God, she's like my sister. I'm mad at Sean. Imagine Brother Sister Kettner's madder than I am. No, I think Sean's a good boy. I love him, dearly. And I believe God has his hand on that couple. But uh, what, what cracked me up is, if I'm not mistaken, Sister Character, the only reason why Renee went to England was to see Princess Diana. Does she still have all that paraphernalia? Princess Diana? Dear God. I hate to talk about somebody when they're not here. Send her this tape, okay? But I want you to take a look at something. Did, did you all get to see Princess Diana? Show everybody but Princess Diana. That's how royalty is. You don't always get to see them when you want to. Somebody says, I, you know, don't this sound hilarious? Sister Dean, go back there and call George Bush for me, and when I get done preaching, I want to go talk to George. You want to try that, Brother O'Brien? Albright? You want to try that, Brother Albright? You want to get a hold of George for me? After a while? Okay. You got ties that I don't have. You know what happens if you step out of line when Mr. Bush is driving by in his car and you step up to reach your hand up to him? They will knock you in the next Sunday. You step out of line and say, Hey, George! That's exactly what would happen to you. And here it comes, you know, I'm using 
Prince Charles and Princess Diana because they're royalty. Uh, the president and the president's wife in the United States, they're on the same plane. The closest that you'll ever get to them is to stand behind that yellow wire that they have got in front of you that sections off the corridor that they will be driving their brigade down. It's like Brother Christian told us the other day. He said, I said, he said, I went to see George Bush the other day and he said, it didn't excite me a whole lot. He said, I didn't get all that excited about seeing George Bush. I just waved at him standing on the top of the hood of my car as he went by. Didn't get excited about it at all, just dented the hood of my car so I could wave at it. That's all the closer that you get to royalty. Don't you understand that? Here comes Princess Di in her carriage. Thousands, listen to me, church. Thousands of people, thousands, are standing there on tiptoe, waving, trying to look, getting on each other's shoulders, looking over the crowd. Here she comes. And your wife looks at you and says, Oh, I saw her. I saw her. I really did see her. That's all you did was see her. But let me tell you what grace is. Grace is when they see you. God, I feel the Holy Ghost here tonight. And that little grubby, dirty, hair disleveled, dirt on the side of her mouth, little bit of snot running out of her nose. She's got holes in her shoes. Just a little girl standing there at the line. And all of a sudden, Princess Di's eyes meet that little girl. She's dirty. She doesn't know the world. Princess Di lives in. She has never seen the inside of Buckingham Palace. She's never touched sterling silverware before in her life. She's never rode in a golden wheeled carriage before. She's never wore French designer fashions that cost five, six thousand dollars just one time and then just casually discard them because she doesn't like the way the color looked on her. In fact, her little dress hasn't been washed in three or four weeks because mama don't have the money to wash it. She doesn't know what it's like to wear a different pair of shoes every day of the week. She's had those same pair on for six months. They're too little for her feet. They hurt her when she walks. There's a few tear stains in her eyes because she hasn't had something to eat for a while. Let me tell you what grace is. Grace is when Princess Di looks at the man that's running the brigade and says, stop the wheels. And the whole procession stops and she steps out of that carriage and walks down there to that little girl 
and kneels her pretty dress in the dirt and reaches out and embraces that little child and looks up and says, get this girl some food. Get this girl some clothes. Get this girl some medical help. I'm going to tell some of you something. You don't know what you got when you got the Holy Ghost. <laughs> the God of the universe. God only knows what kind of busy schedule that Jesus Christ has running this universe. Pouring his spirit out over here. Taking care of this miracle over here. Taking care of whatever business he has at Mars. And over here at Jupiter. And whatever five billion galaxies that he has outside of this galaxy. An infinite mile away from here. Whatever that he does. And all of a sudden, a little saint in Hutchinson, Kansas, that's been baptized with his spirit, that's having problems with her husband, or her, oh, I'm preaching in the Holy Ghost. You're saying my husband don't want to live for God. You don't know who you are, child of God. You don't know what God gave you when you got the talent of this gospel. My wife, she's going to leave me. Not if you know who you are. I can't get off of these drugs. You can if you'll reach out and touch him. Let's stand to our feet. Some little saint, some sinner person that needs deliverance down in Hutchinson, Kansas cries out, Jesus, thou son of David, have mercy on me. And God looks at the whole procession of the universe. And he says, stop it all. I've got a saint down here in trouble. Sister Marsha, I've got a church to build in Garden City. And there's a preacher's wife. And there's a preacher that the devil is trying to destroy their faith. And trying to discourage them. Oh, give me some angels. I'm going to send them down there. I'm going to send them down there. I'm going to bind the spirits that want to destroy. That's what this gospel is all about. He is able. God is able to accomplish what concerns me today. It's just according to how you look at that talent that God gave you. He is able. My God is able. 
He can handle anything that comes my way. He is able. Oh, God is able. He can do much more than I could ever dream. He is able. Yes, He's able to make me what He wants me to be. He is able. Anybody here? Anybody here? Anybody got a problem they can't solve? Bring it to Jesus. Anybody lost their resolve? Bring it to Jesus. Anybody here in despair? Hey, this gospel will work. Anybody fighting with discouragement? Come in here. I know the encourager. He can do it. He can do it. He can do it. Jesus can do it. I'm preaching to some young men that God has put a vision in your life and the devil's trying to make you think that it's too big for you to accomplish. I'm telling you, dream that dream. Dream that dream. Don't be afraid. God is able. Come on, young ladies. We have a city to reach. Come on, Hutchinson. Our God is able. Our God is able. Our God is able. Oh, He's able. He can handle anything that comes my way. He is able. My God is able. He can do much more than I could ever dream. He is able. God is able to make me what He wants me to be. He is able. Yes. Yes. Grab that wife by the hand. Come on, sir. I'm preaching to some men in this church that have slacked off in your walk with God. The devil tells you there's no way to get back in the fire of God. Don't you understand that's the whole process of Christian living is renewing, renewing, renewing. Grab that wife by the hand and say, we're going on, baby. We're going to change some things in our house. We're going to do some things for God. We're going to be what God wants us to be. Do you need the Holy Ghost? 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 He's here tonight. He's here. Do you need a miracle in your life? He's here.
He's here. He's here. He's here. <laughs> He's able. He's able. He is able. God is able to accomplish what concerns me today. He is able. My God is able. He can handle anything that comes my way. He is able. God is able. He can do much more than I could ever dream. He is able. Come on, young people. I see some of you young ladies, you're so hungry to do something for God. The devil says you can't do this, you can't step out of your bound. Sarah, I'm talking to you in the Holy Ghost. I'm telling you God has put a call on your life. When God commissions, He empowers to carry it out. Come on church. Come on young men. God's not going to commission you without empowering you to do what He commissioned you to do. He's given you a talent. He'll back that talent up with the power of heaven. That's it, Anna. That's it, Marty. Come on. Come on, young people. Come on, Nathan. Come on, Jimmy. Come on, Greg. Come on. Come on. Come on. Come on, Sunday school teachers. Come on, Sunday school director. He's able. He's able. He is able. Come on. Come on, youth. Come on, mom and dad. Come on, man of the house. Come on, mother of the home. God is able. God is able. That talent will multiply. That grace, he said he giveth more grace. It'll multiply when you need it. 